Welcome back to the Gen Z Speaks podcast. We're back with uh, another episode. To, with me, my usual co-hosts, the future of project management, real estate, entrepreneurship, business, you name it, Matthew Gutierrez. How are you doing? Doing good, brother. Thank you for that generic overview of my life right now. How are you? I'm doing well. Hanging in there. Hanging and, in and there? Then, yeah, like always, <laughs> it doesn't change. <laughs> Last but not least, the future chief executive officer at Intel, Jenish Thanky. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. <laughs> uh, so today's podcast will kind of focus on um, Jenish and I recently graduated college. Matt graduated last year, a bit earlier and ahead of us. And we're just going to talk about, you know, some of the economic uncertainty we all, we're all facing, um, not just us, the country and the world as a whole. Um, you know, there's inflation fears, there's fears of a recession. And we'll kind of just talk about our personal uh, personal economic prospects amid uh, an uncertain economy. Uh, Jenish, why don't you start us off since you just graduated almost about two, three weeks ago and, and you started working working full-time at Intel, right? Yeah, so, you know, um, I just graduated uh, last month and started full-time May 30th. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm really happy that I have a job. And, you know, that, that's not, everybody is doesn't it just ha always have a job lined up after they graduate, you know, it's, it's, it's tough out there. And I got lucky and obviously I put in the work, but uh, I did end up getting lucky with my job. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but you know, it is tough out there. There, there are companies still hiring as always, but a lot of companies are also laying off due to the economic climate. For example, Coinbase laid off, I think 1300 employees this last week, because if you just look at their stock, you can see why. You know, it, it dropped by more than probably like a, it, it was at like $300. Now it's like $50 right now. So a huge margin. And obviously companies like Netflix are also laying off and the companies that are not laying off uh, because there's not a mass layoff yet. It's just those companies that have been heavily affected, but the other companies are freezing hiring. So, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, taking down these uh, openings from LinkedIn and, um, you know, uh, it's just, it's not the same as it was before where it was constant hiring. Right. Um, but yeah, that, this is just, by the way, this is just regarding the tech industry and even more, uh, specific computer, uh, you know, software startups engineering. mainly so, like, you yeah, know, tech exactly. Startups. Right. I don't know. I don't know in terms of like retail or in terms of real estate, stuff like that. I don't know how that's going right now, but I know that, uh, Right now, it is looking pretty tough in a lot of different industries. Matt, how's it been for you since you, you've already been in the professional workforce for over a year now, right? Yeah, it's been a, a year, I think two weeks ago now. So wow, it's, it's interesting, man, because you know I started in commercial real estate. I, I was doing residential real estate prior uh, during college, but um, post-graduation, I jumped into commercial real estate and you know I, I, was, I hustled to try to get that commercial real estate gig about a year and a half prior. And so um, what it is about real estate is a lot of these guys that uh, are big brokers, they look for that hustle in people. And so you have to start a little early in order to get those gigs and get those mentorship programs, right? And so I had to start a little earlier in order to get that one gig. Um, but commercial real estate, I ended up jumping into project management and a couple other gigs here. I'm actually a logistics account manager right now. So it's a little different 
than what like my niche is, I guess. Um, but uh, to be completely honest, when I was transferring from commercial real estate to project management, throwing in applications like crazy, like I probably applied um, to over 40 jobs um, in one day and like throughout the process, probably over hundred. And I got the project management gig um, and that's been okay. It's been cool, but it, project management and construction, especially if you don't have 10 projects going on at one time, you have a lot of dead time and, you know, you can make some money, but you make it commission based, based on per job. Right. So if there's other, I mean, if there's dead space going on, it's like, what am I doing? And so I went ahead and picked up another gig, um, which is, I work with CH Robinson, one of the, the largest logistics company uh, in the world. Um, and I'm account management for them, but it took another like 60 applications in order to score this gig as well. And so the thing is, it's like, it's extremely difficult out there. Um, and you know, to be completely honest, like we've all, gra we all graduated with like pretty stellar, like grades. Right. And like, I thought like my grade point yourself. average, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought my grade point average and like, I got like summa cum laude, um, uh, uh, distinction right and I thought that was gonna take a play you know play a part in, in hiring and you know it doesn't I went I went through dozens of of interviews and you know I said I was like I'm like super confident I'm like I'm a summa cum laude graduate like I graduated in three years this and that and a lot of people just didn't care they want that experience and if you don't have that experience they don't give a shit because everybody has graduated college nowadays right and so it's like what distinction do I have from them and it's lack of experience. That's the real kicker. Um, so I think it's definitely, I don't think you're alone, Jenish, in just like the tech field and just like comp sci field. I think it's like a general consensus. Um, another point, like I know people that, that graduated this year and they're taking jobs and you know, it's fine. Like you, you gotta do what you gotta do. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna throw shade at anybody or anything like that, but it's just really unfortunate. A lot of these people that graduated with good grade point averages, like the smart people, and they're taking jobs that are like paying $15 an hour, right? And that's like minimum wage. And so it's, it's extremely tough out there. Even those jobs are like getting competitive, right? I mean, you have to have some higher distinction in order to make more money nowadays. How do you feel, Ibram, after graduating? Yeah, no, I feel good. Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I was going to say about the grade stuff. I worked at the political consulting firm last summer, a couple of them, and a vice president at that company, right before I left, he was like, you know, just remember in the real world, no one gives a shit about your grades or your GPA. And like, I was like, I mean, you know, I guess, but I have to go to law school, so I have to care about my grades. But you're right. I mean, nobody cares about your GPA unless you're going to grad school. So um, it, it's, it's been interesting for me uh, because I feel like, I'm, I'm still like in the process of figuring out what I want to do for the rest of my life. It, it, the weirdest thing to me is that all our lives, you know, all three of us have been in school, but now we don't have to go to school necessarily. Right. We're, we're like in, in the real world, so to speak. And so um, kind of the world is our canvas and we can do whatever we want, but we also have to look at some harsh economic realities, right? We have to support ourselves, maybe our family members and, you know, pay off student loans or do other things and then we also have our personal aspirations ambitions things we want to do our whole lives and we have to balance them all uh, and then on top of that worry about some of these macro issues right like inflation or what's what else is going on like you said Janish um 
possibility of companies laying off people. You know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's become like rampant, but it's cer- yeah, st- not yet, certainly, inc- certainly it's there. Like uh, what's it called? Um, Netflix also laid off some people, I believe after again, their uh, disappointing earnings, Q1 earnings report. Right. And then, um, so the mortgage I, I, industry is, is kicking right now. They, they are laying off over like 50% of all their employees. Yep. I, I saw that. I mean, the mortgage rate doubled. I was just telling Genesis, it was that 3%, right? At the beginning of the year. Right. And now it's at 6%. It doubled in less than six months. That is mind boggling. It is beyond insane. And obviously what we're seeing in the crypto and stock markets, I mean, some of our personal portfolios are not looking as good as they were last year. I think um, like 90% of the population there's very few people out there right now that are profiting, I would say. You know, there's... But there's someone, always those... There's always, the best of them are, are always, profiting, right? The best of them making are. money. Yeah. 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 There's always people making money. But I, I'm just saying as the average retail investor, you know, I don't You're think... right. It just know, A lot of people's portfolios <laughs> is down. But yeah, no, I, I think, Ibrahim, yeah. you, you mentioned a good point where, you know, graduating right now is just tough. It's just there's so much things you have to think about, uh, you know... Uh, you know, a lot of people are moving out. So they have to worry about rent. They have to worry about, uh, you know, all these fi- uh, financial issues that that are just um, being exaggerated because of inflation and gas prices. Like going to work is getting hard for people because gas prices are just through the roof right now. And um, it, it is a real problem right now. And, uh, you know, uh, CPI, Consumer Price Index, has increased uh, a lot this year. And... Um, People are, you know, pointing that as a sign of, uh, you know, economic downturn. But right now, the one, I guess, positive note is that even though there are layoffs, uh, unemployment rate is only 3% right now. So um, if we ever see the downwards of unemployment rate, that's when you know that, you know, shit's getting real. So if that starts going, you know, down because of layoffs, then, um, then we'll have some more issues to deal with. Speaking of like, like backpedal a little bit, um, like you're right, dude, people are starting to rent and very few people out of college are going into buying a house. Right. But speaking of renting, man, uh, America just hit its all time high in, in average rental costs. So it's about $2,000, um, for your average rental property right now. And that's just, that's pretty incredible. Isn't it? Like not that's like people's I mean, incredibly bad, but yeah, that exactly. That's a lot of people's paychecks. Yeah. It's insane, dude. And it's like things will continue to raise, right? Um, it, it, that just it blows my mind. I mean, we haven't had inflation like this since Jimmy Carter's days, and which is like what forty years ago, almost. Yeah, more than forty years ago, when inflation is at at, at its highest. And, and um, but I want to ask you guys about your personal process, kind of. So, you know, Jenis, you you kind of you tell tell us about like what you do at Intel and kind of like how you landed the role there because you were interning with them for you know prior like for almost a year right yeah so you know i've been working for intel for about a year because i got a internship and i got really lucky with the internship to be honest because um you know it, it, at the end of the day like i've applied to more than like 100 positions when i was looking for internships and um you know i got like maybe two offers so like it's honestly it's a numbers game, but even then it's a lot about just luck because you gotta keep applying. Well, being and, honest, um, bro, you worked your ass off. 
I mean, you did. Uh, you, so compared to a lot extent, of students, you did though. Yeah, to a certain extent, you have to work, right? But like, there, there's people like, so for example, I, I had an internship for one year and it was only uh, with one company, but like, you know, some students are working super hard. They, they have internships like freshman year, you know, either through contacts or they just, they're just like, have a lot of projects on their resume. But um, yeah, first of all, getting internship is hard in itself because there, there's a lot of like competition, even in that space. And then I was, I got the full-time position because of the internship, right? They trained me and they don't want to waste all those resources training me. And then they just, you know, let me go because what's the point in that? So that, that, that's one of the reasons why I got the offer, right? But um, just going out of a grad without any internship experience is pretty hard to land a position. And, um, you know, I think software engineering is one of those positions where thankfully there's all, there's a lot of companies and there's always a need for software engineers. So in that regard, it's pretty good. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you still got to put in the work and um, it, 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 at the end of the day, I honestly think it's a huge numbers game. So it's just like, you got to keep applying and hopefully the interviews and stuff goes well. Right. But I think, I think that's like that with any, any jobs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you're right. It is a numbers game. And the fact that you had prior internship experience with the company just makes sense. They don't want to waste time training someone new when they already know how you work. And exactly. Like, right. Yeah. Well, Matt, you said you, so you, you do project management and then you're working for the logistics um, account slash account management company. Right. Yeah. So like, how does, tell us about project management and like, what, what do you actually do there and, 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 and how you balance I'll, both of them? Also, uh, mm-hmm. Matt, t- tell us, if you can tell us about uh, how inflation and costs have affected your like you know daily industries work to work yeah like you know costs of uh, pr- uh you know different materials that's a good resources. point for sure okay so essentially like my project management gig um well i'm very fortunate like my uh my logistics the reason i took on the logistics gig is because i get to work from home and so i get it bust out of i mean i I do other things as well. So I get to bust out that as well as doing my day, my day job. Right. And so that's the reason I really took it on. It's not like I'm passionate about, you know, logistics and trucking and, you know, the whole thing, even though it's really interesting in terms of the economy, it's, it's really important. It's just, it's not a fun thing, if you will. Um, And so like, I'll talk about that first. Right. So in like logistics, so what logistics is, first of all, because I know the word gets thrown around a lot, but what does it really mean? Um, and so logistics is like what the supply chain is. And so supply chain is essentially like, we'll just take a generic example. Product is manufactured and created in China, right? And then it's going, going, gone onto a boat and it's shipped, right? So it's shipped to wherever, but let's just say we're in LA. So let's just say the port of LA, uh, port of Long Beach, cause it's the largest in terms of volume uh, port in the United States. Um, it's sent over onto, on that ship, onto that cargo ship. Over here, a trucker goes ahead, picks it up, and then the trucker takes it to either a 3PL, which is a warehouse that stores product, or directly to um, the retail location or consumer. And so what my job is, essentially, I'm the guy that's behind the scenes saying, hey, this product is, is um, let's just say, this beauty brand's product, right? And this trucker needs to go pick this product up and take it to this retailer. And so I'm kind of the guy that has an account. So like that beauty product is my account. And once it's at a location, I go ahead and say, Hey, trucker, go
go pick this up. Essentially. It's not really a dispatcher. So I'm basically the guy before the dispatcher. So I look at all the numbers and look at like what the customer wants basically. And then let the dispatcher knows, uh, let the dispatcher know what the route is, what the price is going to be, that kind of thing. Um, and so how like inflation and how the economy is really affected logistics. So check it out, right? Before the pandemic, each, so it, each um, basically cargo, uh, cargo ship, not ship, sorry, um, the container, basically the cargo container, each one of those to ship was $2,000 across China to the United States. It more than tenfolded by the time, I think it was September of last year. So it's even more right now, but each one is about, was about $20,000 just to ship and just to get off the ship. Right. And so who gets affected by that? I mean, it's not the co- the company, the company wants to make profit. Right. And so if all companies are being affected by this and they're all charging and they're already getting, all getting charged tenfold for their product. I mean, it's supply and demand, right? Lack of supply means higher prices. And so what goes on is the consumers get charged more money. And the consumers aren't necessarily just us, right? They can be the retail, they can be actual businesses. And so what the businesses do in that, in that they'll go ahead and then they'll charge us, right? So everybody's getting affected. It's like a domino effect here. And what happens when we're affected it, by high prices is you need to make more money in order to survive, right? And so those companies that, that are there charging the consumers more money are now paying their employees more money, right? So it's just like the domino effect and things just increase in prices that way. Um, but it just sucks. And this also like goes into account with my, uh, my project management role. So I'm, I'm a project manager in construction and I have to talk to clients about like pricing. So I'm the guy that goes, I check out the job, schedule the job, whatever kind of job it is, we do everything. Um, and then I'll go ahead, price it out and schedule it. But the thing is, since last, since a year and a half ago, things have increased in prices a lot, right? Just like lumber, like wood is exponentially more money right now. It's like four times more money than it was. And that's insane because I mean, construction wood is, is a lot of things, right? I mean, you need studs, you need um, actual beams, you need that type of stuff. And the larger the piece of wood, the more money it becomes. And so like, sure, like a two by four, I'm sure you've heard of like a two by four piece of wood, right? That hasn't exponentially increased. Um, I mean, it's increased by $4, I think. It was like 10 bucks and now it's like 14 bucks each. But if you're talking about like a six by six piece of wood um, by like eight feet, like that increased from like $2,000 and, or sorry, not $2,000. That's for a few of them. Um, but it increased by over double. So double or triple, I, I don't remember exactly, but it's like, it's just insane. And so I'm not going to take, I'm not going to eat that. Right. So I have to go ahead and charge the customer some more money. Right. Cause it's their house or it's their, you know, commercial property. I have to go ahead and charge them. And um, it's a lot of tough conversations. They're like, why is it so much? I've heard this and that and that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to juice you here. It's just the reality of what it is. I'm not, you know, and the thing is like, part of my job is to find the material and find the product. And so on top of what they're being charged, I have to charge a 10% increase, right? Because, or else I'm losing. Why, why else am I finding the material cost and, you know, putting all these numbers together? I have to make some money off of that. And so they're not only being affected by, my charge because my 10% is regardless of the economy is good or the economy is bad. Um, but they're being affected by just the material cost. And so it's a lot of tough conversations. And unfortunately, if a customer can't afford it, then I can't give them the job or I'm not going to do work for free. Um, and so it, it's really difficult, especially if they're really like 
in it into something or they'll go ahead and threaten <laughs> sometimes they'll threaten like and like um sorry mm-hmm. that's uh yeah, yeah i can hear you i can yeah. hear you yeah. oh, so hold on something happened now you're good now yeah, yeah. i think you're you, okay mic issue yeah okay cool um and sometimes they'll like threaten with like a contractor like oh I, well i got this contractor and he quoted this price and i'm like well, go use them, right? Because I can't do anything about that. If they're able to get cheaper prices, which is not possible because I do my due diligence. Um, so there's a bullshitting in that sense. But um, it's just really difficult to even like negotiate with businesses nowadays because everybody's being affected. Mm-hmm. How about mm-hmm. you, Rem? What's going on? I mean, some of the similar. I mean, what you just said is that inflation is affecting your personal job right as a project manager because you have to be more cognizant of all the increased costs and you have to like obviously pay your guys more right and and cost of materials like lumber and stuff and i think that's going to probably persist until i don't know how long right i mean it's been like what almost a year since inflation kind of started to to increase i mean i would say eight months, eight or nine months. The last eight or nine months, inflation has kind of gotten out of hand. Initially, I, to be honest, thought it was going to be transitory. Um, <laughs> clearly, it's not transitory. Uh, I think it's here to stay. Even though that's what the Fed is saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the, the Fed's not saying that anymore. They, they would used to say that every single, so the Fed meets every six weeks, right? And, and, and last year, Powell, the, the chairman of the Fed, uh, used to say that very consistently, that inflation was going to be transitory. The White House was saying this. Biden was saying this. Everybody was saying, like all the establishment people were saying, like, it'll be transitory. And then it's not transitory. And the Fed today just cut, um, not cut, sorry, increased interest rates by 75 basis points. And for reference, the interest rates during 2020 by the Fed were about 0%, like close to, as, as, close to yeah. as zero as can be. <laughs> and now it's going to be 0.75, which is huge. Because the Fed is, you know, trying to have inflation at two percent, which I don't know how successful they'll be at doing that. But I think their goal is to slow down the economy, right? They're, I mean, and one of the repercussions of that is going to be layoffs because we have to decrease consumer spending, right, for inflation to kind of level off, not level off, but a little decrease, so to speak. And so, rising interest rates will. Uh, prevent people from taking out more loans, right? Because interest rates are just going to be high. And then the banks will not be lending as much amongst each other because of the high interest rates. And companies who a lot of them borrow money, right, are not going to be borrowing as much because of the high interest rates. And so it makes sense why the Fed is doing it. Some people are saying it. it's a little bit too late. You know, they should have started tightening monetary policy earlier. Um, we'll see what happens next July. July 26th, I believe they're meeting again. Um, and, and Powell said that he's expecting a 50 to 75 basis point increase again, which will be again, like insane. And Um, and for just for context today, um, the fed said that they are increasing, um, uh, interest rates by 75 basis points, which is 75.75%. So, uh, and this is, I believe the largest since 1994, right? Yep. 1994 was the last time. Right. which is, which is pretty insane yeah, yeah like that they have to do this right now right you know what but, the insane part is back in the 90s rates were like at six percent and they were they're like one point 
they were like 1.2. I mean, you say practically zero. I mean, practically zero is like 1.2 is like below, below two, which is like nothing. Right. But that, that's the craziest part to me. I feel like it's more of, it's more drastic right now. Right. Because we're at such a low rate. We were at such a low rate and we increased it almost double of 1.5, right? 0.75 is double. Uh, Sorry, half more, whatever you get what I'm saying here. Um, Versus then rates were like at 5.2%, which was, it's pretty high. It's not like it's low and increased to like 6.2. And so like, wow, what's one point more, you know what I'm saying? In like terms of 5.2% versus 6.2%, not drastic, but 1.5 versus like a 2.5 is pretty drastic. That's, that's double in our standards. Mm. That's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, just as uh, uh, just going back to an earlier point, Matt was talking about regarding like jobs and stuff. I was thinking about this the other day, you know, a lot of us, you know, we've graduated with um, like for me, computer science, or you're going into law and you're in business. And these are fields that are always kind of have jobs opening up and, you know, uh, it's kind of lucrative in, in a sense. But I was wondering, like, what about majors that aren't very, uh, you know, lucrative in a sense where, you know, like big niches. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's very specific major, like, you know, sociology or some, 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 weirder like major and i'm not saying anything i'm not taking away anything from the major but i'm just saying it's uh it would be i feel like it would be like if i was a sociology major and i was looking for a job it would be really hard for me i feel like especially in this economic climate right yeah yeah it goes back to what you said earlier i think regardless of what your major is if you have done some sort of paid internship at any company it just becomes easier to get a job because if, if a company can afford to pay interns, it can also afford to hire more people usually, right? Typically like, and, and obviously the companies like Intel that are huge public, you know, fortune 500 companies, if you've already worked for them, it, it, they don't, they just don't want to take any risks. I think in a high, in a volatile economic environment where productivity is uh, a concern for some recruiters and companies if they've already seen you work at their place and they trust you they're more likely to hire you than with than someone that doesn't have that work experience and so you can be a sociology major but if you let's say worked at a consulting firm over the summer even though your major doesn't align with it you'll you'll still be able to find a job but i see your point though you're right you know some majors, i feel like with those majors it would be hard to even get the internship right where if it's true. like if you're yeah. in like a, a major that's aligned with the interests of the companies maybe they would see like your, your skills would apply more in that regard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think what's going to end up happening is people who thought that college was it and then they're not going to do more school usually like during recessions and economic downturns people go back to school because that's the best time to be in school right because you don't have to look for a job i mean i don't know it's the best time because you're still paying for school and the cost of school is still going to be high right considering inflation so i mean but i guess school is a better alternative during economic downturns instead of just laying around living off unemployment you can actually gain more skills right and and study i I think well, well, there's a lot of negatives going into like the economic downwards, um, you know, uh, I feel like there's also a lot of opportunities that can be uh, gained, especially uh, investing. I feel like, um, you, you know, market can always go down or up, but if you invest in long term and safe stock up, safe stocks that you, you know, done some research in you'll make money. Or if like, for example, this is like, the, this, okay, first of all, this is not financial advice, but this is the simplest thing, like example I can give, right? 
if you invest in just uh, the SPY 500, right? Just the basic ETF, right? Since its inception, which was 2000, it's been going up 10% every year. This is taking regard, taking into account 2008, um, 2001, uh, all like the recessions we've been through in those 22 years, right? This is all taken into account. It's been going up 10% every year. So if, if you want to just make safe money, and especially if, if, if the economy, you know, there's a downwards uh, economic trend, you can even make more money um, in a way where, you know, you have more opportunities uh, to make money with less money. So th there is a lot of opportunities that can be gained. And it, it, a lot of economic recessions, you know, you can, they, there's also time to think about different ideas and different things that can be addressed. And maybe, you know, uh, th those things are turned into startup ideas or, or business ideas, right? So I think there's a lot of opportunities, even with all the negative things that are happening with the economy. No, that's a good point. Um, along with like, like the point of, you know, going back and, and during a recession and like the safe options or whatever, um, I think that during recessions, like there's a lot that can be done, right? Like you can make safe bets, you make safe opportunities. And those people that are cash is king, this is time to make, to make some real money here. Um, but, you know, on top of that, on top of just like stocks and crypto and all of that, there's tons of business ideas to like be made, right? There's a lot of options of um, recession-proof businesses, right? Like you can go ahead and join a, um, a group of people to, to, you know, purchase apartments. Apartments are, are recession-proof because people are always going to need to have low cost of living. Um, and you don't need like an exponential amount of money. You can just join a REIT. And, you know, with these REITs, um, you go ahead and purchase like big build, uh, not large buildings, but whatever it may be. On top of that, like you can do laundromats. Um, you can join a REIT to buy laundromats. There's like, there's other things out there, right? That, that there's, you're able to make money on. Uh, I think like even more than like the REITs and like safe bets, it's just a time to learn skills, to get, gather skills, because obviously everyone's going through a tough time. Um, but the goal is to make it less tough. And so how do you make it less tough? Like you, you kind of analyze the industry you're in or what you want to do in life and you gain those skills and you purchase, um, you know, whatever skills it may be, whether it's education, like Ibrahim said, or just, you know, courses or whatever it may be just to learn and like really divulge and like invest in yourself. That's probably the best investment because the more you invest in yourself, um, this guy, Alex Ramazzi, I'm, I'm really big on him. He always says, you got a skill stack. You got a skill stack. The only way to make more money in entrepreneurship and in business is to skill stack. And what skill stacking really is, it's, you know, gathering, like you're say I'm in, uh, say I'm in, you know, project management, right. And I'm trying to increase my business and grow a bigger portfolio here. How do I do that? I have to learn how to do scheduling. I have to learn how to do estimates. I have to learn what materials, what, and how to be competitive in the market, right? So each of these are little skills I have to learn. And in order to become a great project manager, I, I need to know all of them. And the way to do that is during these times where there's less work, you go ahead and you learn these skills. And then once, you know, we're out of the recession or out of, you know, economic downturn, I'm ahead of the game because other people were kind of just sitting around, you know, dwelling in the misery of life while, you know, I was going ahead and trying to uh, learn better skills. So I think, I think a, that's, a small yeah. example of what you just mentioned is kind of what happened uh, with COVID, you know, where a lot of people were laid off from work and, uh, were, you know, we're just sitting at home and some people really took that time to do stuff while other people 
you know, just kind of did nothing. And, you know, I feel like it was hard for everyone to do stuff because it was just so different. It was different than, you know, like a recession. It was, you couldn't, you couldn't even go out, at least in a recession, you can go out, right? Like, it's a little different in that case, but, you know, that, that is a kind of a similar example where some people really worked on themselves to kind of you know, learn new, new skills. And after COVID, they were able to, you know, thrive off of those. I also think a huge part of it is personal finance. Like, you know, it's hard as students to find paid opportunities, but I guess, you know, some of us were lucky enough to do that. Uh, And you just have to be like smart with your money to prepare yourself for times like these. I mean, we're not in a recession yet. I know we're throwing that word around, but we're not officially yet. I I mean, I, I, I don't want to make any, statements but i think we're headed that way this might i mean the fed is um, saying they're trying to get us a soft landing i don't know what that means by the way today was today the market was green and usually historically whenever the fed increases interest rate the market goes down heavy but today the market was up so this is very like we're in strange times we're in strange times and i I do believe i I do believe that we're headed towards that but this is not financial advice (laughs) (laughs) i also i mean i think the market already priced in the 75 basis points increase because that's what the fed was most likely to do but you're right i mean i I, we'll see what happens i think we're still going to be in a bear market for the next couple months we're not i mean the yeah we are an article Mm -hmm. yeah you're right we're not officially i read an article um with the new york times and Bank of America analysts and JP Morgan analysts are saying that 2023 recession is has never been more clear. That was their mm, uh, mm-hmm. statement. And so look, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, recessions are like part of economic life. I mean, they're just facts. It's part of it's life. It's bound yeah. to happen. Recession is just, just ups and downs, you know, it's bound to happen. It's just a matter of when, you know, and I think it's and how coming. to take advantage. Yeah. How to take advantage of it. I think if you are, personally responsible when it comes to finances right you have some money saved up so that you can go out and take some risks you know buy up some equity in a company or you know invest in real estate if, if you are not economically secure how are you going to do that or like if you've never had a job how are you going to do that you know you need yeah. i think the point is to like always have some sort of income coming in or some sort of skill that you're learning that can in the future be capitalized upon whatever you're doing. Like, I don't want to sound like a maximizing productivity every single moment of your life, but in essence, that's what you kind of have to do almost on a daily basis. Like do something that improves you just a tiny bit. And then you do that consistently. Yeah. It it just compounds just like you were saying about the S and P 500 index. Like if you invest money today, the, 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 the profit is just going to compound on a yearly basis and it can go through the worst recession in the world. Five, 10 years from now, your investment will always have a positive always return. Always be up. Yeah. It'll always yeah, be up. It's just, yeah. yeah. So you just have to, I think the most prepared people are always the luckiest. Conservative. Conservative. Oh, by the way, guys, what, what uh, this is a statistic I read. Um, do you guys know the people who make the most money in the market? They buy the dip at the worst times what people dead who never people. sell dead what? people dead people you know why because <laughs> oh they, well, they don't sell they don't, they don't sell don't. exactly people people sell. people go through recessions they freak out they panic they sell um they go through all these things they sell uh, and you know normal people that's what they do the people who are dead they can't do that stuff that's why they make the most money because at the end of the day you know 10 20 years from now if you're a long-term investor the market's always going to be up 
and ideally sure. during times like these where the market is in a bear market technically because it's down 20 percent year over date this is a time to double down on on your investments that you truly believe in if you have the capital to do so this is the time to double down i'm just being am i doing that no because uh, I, I'm not sure anymore if I'm convinced of some of the investments that I've made, especially in the growth tech. Or, uh, sorry, <laughs> in the I'm messing up my words. because I'm so nervous now. Um, no, it, 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 in growth stocks, right? When it comes to tech, I'm not sure. You know what the funniest part today. about this is? What? So, I mean, for those that have been listening listening to us consistently, like we've seen like such a progression in all of this, right? Like Ibrahim was like. Arc investments you gotta listen to kathy woods like he says this on the podcast like a year ago and now we're seeing like because it's su- it's such a turn of events right i get it man like emotions are are crazy no don't get me wrong i'm still invested i have not sold a single thing in well, this oh, last bro, six months come on how are you gonna sell and lose <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> but but, but just till zero just- <laughs> yes sir <laughs> oh my god i think it might come to that honestly no no i don't think it will no, but I, I think Kathy would have smart. I'm still listening to what she's saying. And she actually is saying the market is nearing the bottom. Uh, I don't know it's if that's nearing? true. Yeah, it's nearing yeah, the bottom. So I think it's going to get worse. My hunch is that Bitcoin, Ethereum, they're all going to go down significantly. Right now, the housing market hasn't uh, changed that much. But I, mm-hmm. I want to see what the future of that's going to be like. Because, you know, I'm not into re- like real estate uh, predictions or, or forecasting at all. But if the housing market goes down, that'll be a crazy turn of events. I actually, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I think housing uh, home values are going to decrease two, three years from now because no one's, because, because no one's going to be buying houses in the next like year or uh, the mortgage rate is 6%. It's going to go down. It's probably going to go up to 9%. I won't be surprised. Right. I mean, I would say 9%. Nine. That's really high. bro. I think so. I think it will be in the next year. Not, not now. I'm not saying next month. I'm saying six months. It it's was look, it was three percent in January, right? Three percent. It's at six percent now. I, I really think it's gonna go up to maybe not that specifically, but somewhere close. Yeah, that, that's somewhere pretty close. that's pretty crazy. Uh I think it's gonna well housing houses have decreased in prices. Mm-hmm. Um like they have but I'm talking decreased significantly yet. decreased. I don't like, know if they'll significantly decrease, at least in California, maybe mm-hmm. on a nationwide standard. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think the increase in like interest rates, like or mortgage rates, that's that's keeping people from buying, right? Because people that want to purchase and live in their house, they want to buy when the interest rate is low, even though the price might be higher. But the higher the interest rate, you're just giving money to the bank, right? And so you don't want to do that. I mean, if if you care about your pocketbook and you care about your bank account, you don't want to give money to people that don't really deserve it. Um, and so what you do is you don't buy and you just wait until interest rate yeah. lowers again. So. Well, then if no one's buying, then this housing market does, I mean, the value the problem is people are still buying. It's just people that aren't significantly like rich, right? Or people that aren't yeah. foreign investors. Those are the people that are not buying. But the people that, the, dude, it's so interesting to me, actually. Like, it's never been easier. I, I, I t- take this with a grain of salt, what I'm saying right now, because it's my opinion. Uh, but it's never been easier to make money. Like we have like all this information out there, right? And if you're able to utilize it and just create a platform for yourself, you can stack, right? Um, the interesting thing to me is that I think there's so much foreign investments and there's so many people making a lot of money that are rich already because they've realized like real estate and like steady stocks, like Janice was saying, that's the key to wealth. 
Um, and it's the crazy thing is, so b- before like the internet and before like the age of information, people would make a lot of money doing what people they knew did. Right. And so that's how information circulated. They met people that did really well, or they had, you know, some family member that had an idea or, you know, they just fell on a pot of gold and they got lucky with, with a business idea or something like that. Uh, but nowadays you don't need to know somebody to make money. Right. Obviously network is is the best way to make money and it's the easiest way to make money. But if you have like the internet and you have like information, it's never been more possible. Even though things are higher in prices, it's still never been more possible to do well. I I think um, that that is a good point where uh, the internet has introduced like so much information into our world and people can take advantage of it. But the problem is the internet has so much information that it's hard through parse, like to parse through everything, right? Like information is everything like, like dumb TikTok posts. That's information, right? Uh, you know, worthless, like media content is information. And, you know, it's about, it's about choosing what you want to um, look at on the internet, right? That's what, that's ultimately what it's about. And you, you have a good point. There's limitless information out there. And it's, I think, it is it's about going through the um, finding finding the right information that that helps you in whatever you're trying to do. That applies the most to you and exactly. that you can that's practical that you can actually take, you know, participate in as yeah, opposed to and perform yeah. some action to, you know, develop it. Mm-hmm. Right? Real mm-hmm. quick. I have a, so I was watching this Joe Rogan podcast and uh, Rogan goes, they're talking about um, just they're talking about like like the sadness of the world right now and how uh, everybody gets to see like the fatalities and the, like the poor aspects of life right now. Right. Like all 7 billion of us get to see everything around the world, as long as you're looking for it on the internet. Um, And even if you're not looking for it, you hear about it some way. Um, But he, and he goes that human, he doesn't feel that humans were designed to take all the, to, to be so connected to 7 billion people they go in the podcast, they talk about um, this actually with Andrew Schultz. Um, they talk about how uh, humans were always about 150 people were kind of in their group uh, max. Like it's your close group. It's the group a little bit like you talk to as well, like your acquaintances, sorry, your family, your, your friends and your acquaintances and the people that you talk to here and there and so on and so forth. Right. Adds up to about 150 people. Um, and so like that information, like got you like, what you should be eating, like what you should be doing, what kind of work you should be doing. Um, just like that basic information. Right. And like, we, we're still social, but it wasn't such a compound of information. Like you kind of, both of you guys just said, like right now we're so connected that we have so much information that it's overwhelming. And think that's kind of why like anxiety and depression happen because like how much information is out there and we just consume it. And a lot of people aren't sponges. They're not able to dissect what's good for me and what's bad for me. And so all this info gets in and it kind of like takes a toll on you. You know, no, I, I think mm-hmm. just real quick, I think that's true. And um, and the, the sad part is that uh, it's a lot of it has to do with social media. Right. I think, first of all, it's, it's addictive in nature. And uh, there, there's been many studies that ask teenagers and young adults uh, is what is causing stress and anxiety in your life? And uh, I believe it was like more than 60% said it was because of social media in one way or another. Right. And like, it's like, we, we know a lot of uh, this is 
because of social media, because at the end of the day, it's not connecting us. It's kind of deconnecting us from like our immediate family and, and um, our, our close friends, but it's addictive in nature. And, you know, it, it overall, it just has a bad effect on yeah, mental health and, you know, just overall living experience. I think the problem is that people, especially our age, are most affected by this is that when we see people, you know, on social media or elsewhere, we, we forget to realize that everybody has their own path. You know, like we don't have to be like, let's say um, there's someone you idolize who's into real estate or something like that's not necessarily for you. You can idolize them and take lessons from them, but you can do your own thing in another industry. Like, you know, some things that work for other people are not going to work for you. You have to carve your own path and kind of just take things from a bunch of different people and put them together and then add your little sauce to it. And then that's your path. You don't have to exactly replicate what someone else did. And that, you know, I feel like, like you said, Matt, in, in the chat, that instant gratification, like we're all looking for instant results. And that, you know, as I'm learning more and more, just not the reality of things like Rome wasn't built in a day. Anything that anything that's genuinely great that provides value to people takes time, time and time, and then just consistency on your part and hard work. And that's just, we have to like, it's so hard. It's such an easy concept, man, but it's so hard to truly like appreciate and abide by. Because, yeah. Abraham, I love that point. And I just want to add one more thing to that point is on social media and just internet in general, the hardest thing to not do is to compare. Like it's so hard for, and whenever you're on social media, you're just comparing yourself. And I remember reading this, quote somewhere it was it says something like comparison is the thief of joy right where if you just compare like oh this guy's doing this in life this guy's doing this oh look at my life i'm just sitting at home it's boring i'm just reading a book right this guy's like traveling the world it's just like that's not that's not how it's that's not how we're supposed to live we're not supposed to be comparing ourselves to people every day of course people are going to be anxious not happy with their lives when you're comparing every single day to people who, who are putting these photos, which are not even their real life. It's just like a what they want you to see, right? It's what they want you to see of their lives. So, yeah. Like on top of that, right? Obviously humans have always been like instant gratification. Like if there's instant gratification, people tend to, you know, veer towards that. People aren't disciplined in nature. People have, to, that's why it's called discipline, right? Because we're not disciplined. We go and like, we, we, we look for what's the easiest path. That's what our brain tells us to do right? They looks for the easiest path, looks for paths that we already know. And like, in my opinion, like, I feel people in humans, their search for meaning is importance. Like they try to find what's, how do I become important? What, like I'm a spec, right? Out of 7 billion people in our, on earth, like what value do I have to this world? And like social media just shows people that have some sort of importance, even though it's bullshit, right? Like all these people that flex like their Ferraris and stuff like that, like it's not theirs. I mean, a lot of, maybe it is theirs, right? But I mean, a lot of times it's not theirs as well. Um, and, and it's just, the fact of the matter is people look for importance and by having social media and being so connected or interconnected, I guess, to people all over these wor- all over the world, it shows like that, it shows what you can be, right? And it continuously shows what you can be. Even though we all know it, we all know there's people with Lamborghinis, but when you start seeing multiple people with Lamborghinis that you don't know and their life seems like it's going well and it's very important, 
you start to, to feel like, oh man, maybe my life isn't that important because I'm not living this lifestyle. Um, and, and that interconnectivity kind of just like, it's a detriment. I, yeah. I'll just make like two quick points. Number one, what you just said is really beautiful. Like that you said, comparison is the fear of joy. Is that what you said? Thief of joy. Is a thief of joy. Wow. That's so true. And I think that the whole conversation can just be summed up by that quote. Like comparison is the thief of joy. It just makes sense. I was just going to say so many people, myself included, have, have, have had inclinations for material success. Like that's important, right? Have a nice car, house and stuff. But guess what? When we die, no one cares. It's all just going to be left behind. It's just going to be about the value that we provided to the world that's going to live on and continue. That actually like was... Like that, 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 that was the most important part of our lives. So that's what people will remember us for what value we provided beyond just our fancy cars or what we did for ourselves. Cause everybody can technically do that. It's so easy to be selfish. It's hard to be selfless. And I think that's the struggle or that's the conundrum that a lot of us face. How do we make our lives contribute more to the world beyond just ourselves? Hopefully yeah. we all figure that out soon, but yeah. And I, I just think that it's so important where, you know, I, I feel like everybody forgets this, but at the end of the day, when you're going to be on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking about your nice car and all that stuff. You're going to be thinking about the people you met, your relationships and your experiences in life. And it's none of those are going to be about material, uh, materialistic things. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's end the conversation on that. Now we'll continue more so of an economic conversation next time as well. Till then. Take care.